Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to get started this morning in 1 John chapter 1. I want to get right to it. But I want to talk about this idea of fellowship this morning. Say fellowship. Fellowship is essential. And if we wanted a subtitle, it would be fellowship with Father. Fellowship with the Heavenly Father, I think, is so important for us to really find who we are, to discover our true identity in Christ. And then when we do, it becomes an outflow of who we are. But in 1 John, this is the Apostle John writing here. I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 1. He says, we write to you about the word of life, listen to this, which has existed from the very beginning. Now, who's he talking about here as word of life? Does anyone know? He's talking about Jesus. And you know, I think that words are important, aren't they? And so I've been, more than, more than not, I've been trying to not say Jesus as much as Christ in certain situations like this. Because how many know that, that Jesus existed 2,000 years ago? Christ existed from the very beginning. See, Christ was the anointing. Uh, if you haven't heard this term before, Jesus was the incarnation. It was where God and flesh or man came together and connected. And I think the beauty of this is it's showing us that God is compatible with humans. I mean, for years, people didn't believe this. They would go to temples. God was somewhere else. They would offer sacrifices to many gods, hoping they were okay with the gods. But even in Judaism at the time, God had a place in a temple somewhere, and they would go to visit him. But Jesus came to show us what incarnation looks like. And here's the thing. Do you realize that you are also an incarnation? This is hard for some people to swallow, but Paul tells us that, know ye not, know ye not, that ye are the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't live in temples made with human hands. He lives in you and I. And so I believe that Jesus was this display of what it looked like to operate as a temple on the earth. Isn't that cool? And so I want us to see that, yes, Jesus was the man but Christ was not his last name. It was the anointing. It was the Godhead dwelling in him. And he was saying, look at humanity and God are compatible, man. I mean, we could just walk away now and go, wait a minute, I'm compatible with God? I mean, that's enough to chew on for like two weeks, right? Because some of us don't think we're good enough. We don't measure up. Look, Jesus didn't come to say, if you measure up, then God will. He said, God already did, so will you receive. We just talked about this morning. Will you receive this relationship? He says, we have heard it and we have seen it with our eyes. Yes, we have seen it and our hands have touched it. This is beautiful. That word touch in the Greek, it's like when, when you strum um, an instrument, a string, or you sing. It's about resonance. It resonates within us. Verse 2, when this life became visible, we saw it. So we speak of it and we tell you about the eternal life which is with the Father and was made known to us. Verse 3, what we have seen and heard, we announce to you also so that you will join with us in the fellowship, say fellowship, that we have with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now the Apostle John, I really like John and, and I think it's, it's cool to quote him today. I quote Paul a lot. I mean, Paul wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. This guy had some revelation from God. 
about grace and about what, what the cross and the resurrection meant, but I do love the words of John because there's so much love that it's immersed in because the Apostle John really believed in the love of God. You can see it all through his writings, whether it's his gospel or these letters that he wrote. But the book of John, I just want us to realize today, of 1 John is not a personal letter, nor is it a letter written to one church as much as it is to a corporate church. It's more of a corporate letter. Now, a couple things that we see within this letter. Number one, this, this letter has no traditional introduction. There's no from whom or to whom. I mean, most letters do, right? Do we realize that these are letters that were written? I mean, sometimes we open them up and we're like, oh, it's the Holy Bible and we have chapters and verses, but they didn't write in chapter and verse. They just wrote letters. Now, it's nice to divide it up because when I say turn to 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it's not like, hey, go to John's letter and paragraph sit. We're like, I mean, it'd take us hours to just get through something and read it, right? But we have to understand here, this had no traditional introduction. And number two, it has no personal greetings or closing message. In fact, if you go to chapter 5, the very last verse, it says, little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. I mean, there's no closing to it. And as we can see here, we just read 1 John 1, 1 through 3, there's no introduction. It's like he comes in immediately and he's just, he's got something on his mind that he wants to speak to the churches in Asia. Now, what's obvious is that 1 John was written to believers who were facing an internal church problem of false teachers. Now, at this time, there were Gnostics who were coming to the church, and they were saying, basically, Jesus is cool, this good news is awesome, but I'll tell you what, I found the secret knowledge. I wish I had reverb right there. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. And so they were trying to convince people that Jesus really wasn't enough. We need a little bit more. And the believers are being drawn away by this philosophy. So this audience that he was writing to was this confused church in Asia. Now, just a little background on the Gnostics. They were a group of people who believed, number one, they possessed superior spiritual knowledge. You ever met someone like that? <laughs> okay, no names, not out loud. Next time they, they do that, you can go, you're a Gnostic. No, I'm just kidding. But they believe that they had this superior spiritual knowledge. They also believe this, that all flesh is evil and that only spirit is good. The problem with this idea is they didn't believe that Jesus was really the incarnation because they didn't believe that God could actually inhabit flesh. But Jesus showed us something different, right? And so we see John here, he's writing this church in Asia who's confused, they're uh, being infiltrated with this Gnostic uh, false teaching. And I believe that John felt as if these believers were settling for something less than the gospel. See, whenever we have to add something to what Jesus said, what Jesus did, what Jesus has done for us, what he has shown us, I believe we're actually settling because we're trying to find something else to add to it. Have you ever settled in life? Now, listen, I don't want anyone to get, you know, in condemnation or, or, or get bummed out today, but have you ever settled? Have you ever made a decision? A lot of times, I believe we make decisions and we settle when we're under pressure, uh, when we're under stress. And so we'll, we'll make a decision, but usually we settle. I, I had this situation years ago, back in the 90s. My, my car had died on me and I needed a new vehicle. And so I was looking to get a vehicle because I was stressing out because my job at the time was a pizza delivery guy. How many know it's easier to deliver pizzas on a vehicle than it is on feet or on foot? And so, by the way, I loved the job. It was awesome. Like I could, I could literally deliver three orders 
when another person could deliver one. I was good at it. Like I was, I was efficient. I, I knew the map. I knew how to do it. And I made great tips and people would call and say, hey, is Andy there? Can you have him deliver? Because they wanted their pizza hot and they didn't want it all slid over to one side because people carried it like it's going to the library with books. One time this guy came in and he got his pizza. He's like, yeah, thanks. And he pulls them off the counter and then he puts them under his arm like this and walks out. And we're like, what the? Guess what? He called back in five minutes and said, my pizzas are all jacked up. It's like, yeah, you carried them like books, you moron. That's before I was really walking in grace. But so I really needed a vehicle and my job was one that I had to have that vehicle to make proper money. And so I was looking around and, and one of my friends at the pizza place says, well, my buddy's friend, anyone have a buddy who has a friend? Yeah. My buddy's friend, he owns a dealership. It was way out in like Lapeer or something. And so I went out and I'm looking at some vehicles and I found one. It was a brown Dodge 400 K car. Come on, can I get a witness, right? Yeah, it wasn't that awesome really, but it was clean and it, it started right up and it ran and, and I was thinking, okay, this, it's 900 bucks. And so it sounds crazy, but I didn't have 900 bucks. So I went to my dad and I'm like, dad, I got to get a loan and I need a co-signer. And he's like, are you sure? Are you sure you're not settling, son, for this vehicle? And I remember going, no, dad, no. I mean, because I was in desperation mode. I really needed a vehicle. And so he reluctantly signed for me. And I got this car for $900. And within six months, it quit on me. So not only within a six-month period did I have two vehicles that didn't run anymore, I was still making payments on the car that didn't run anymore. See, I settled. I didn't listen to my dad. I was in desperation mode. I, I didn't say, okay, what can we figure out? What can we talk about? I settled. And I believe that the apostle John, toward the end of his life, when we look at this letter, he is believed to be in Ephesus at this time when he writes this letter. And he has this very direct tone. I mean, he's right to the point. There's, there's no introduction like, hey, I'm John, grace and peace be on to you. No, like he, he's right into it. Like I hear that some things are being said, some things are being misrepresented, in Christ, and I really want to deal with this. Scholars believe that John was probably around 90 years of age. You got to think, he's probably, this is like 70 years approximately that he's not just seen Jesus, but he's had this relationship with Jesus and he understands what Christ is all about. So he speaks with authority like an elder would. You ever notice that like older people can just say whatever's on their mind and they get away with it, right? But because we see them, though, we're like, okay, they've been through life. Even if they're not saying that correctly, there's some wisdom within this. And so John writes us with wisdom. And I believe that he's saying to the churches in Asia, don't settle. Don't settle. John was, as he referred to himself in his gospel several times, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I don't believe it was out of arrogance. I believe John really knew who he was. But not just a disciple. John was a friend. He was a close friend of Jesus. This was the same disciple that at the Last Supper, it said that he laid his head on the chest of Jesus. That's a pretty close relationship. I said it before, but I don't like anyone laying on my chest when I'm eating. You can put a napkin on my chest, but get off me. I'm eating right now, right? But there was a relationship here between Jesus and John. And you think 70 years, even after the ascension, this, this continued relationship, this fellowship, this communion that John had, when he heard what was going on in these churches in Asia, he got a little fired up. 
And so we see this directness. Now, something we need to understand about Gnosticism or Gnostics, it comes from the word in the Greek, uh, gnosis or gnosis, which means knowledge. See, Gnostics were saying the main issue is the lack of knowledge. You just need more knowledge. See, this happens in churches today. You know, this church isn't spiritual enough. I've heard that before. The spirit isn't moving, man. Why? Because I'm not seeing a bunch of weird stuff happening. Well, first of all, the spirit's not weird. It doesn't have to be weird for the spirit to move. I believe the spirit's moving all the time because he comes into the building because we do, right? And he's going to minister to you exactly the way you need to be ministered to. With his love and his grace, healing of your physical body, your soul. I believe in all those things. I believe in the gifts of the spirit. But listen, we don't need to force them to make something more spiritual. That's called flesh, right? And so we allow the spirit to move. But sometimes we say this church isn't spiritual enough. I, uh, you know, that pastor, he just, he doesn't preach deep enough. I need more meat. I need more deep teaching. I need more angels and visions. And I need a Holy Ghost goosebump to know that everything is okay. And I think we need to be careful of that. Now listen, I'm good with deep teaching. I'm good with allowing the Holy Spirit to move. I'm even good with a goosebump here and there, amen? I love to feel the presence of God. But see, what happens is sometimes we get so far into our heads that we lose track of our heart. And see, that's where fellowship transpires. It's in the heart. People miss relationship with God, more specifically fellowship with the Father, and settle for more knowledge, more head knowledge, more mystical feelings. Now, when we look at these verses 1 through 3, again, we talked about it earlier, they're broken down into verses and chapters. But, but literally, this is one long Greek sentence. These first three verses is one sentence. Like, I can picture John going, what, what's going on in the Asia churches? What, what's going on? Wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. And he sits down and he just, first line that comes right out and he says what he says. He comes right out of the gate with this barrage of this personal experience with Christ, this proclamation of the reality of who Jesus is to him. Because he's saying, I've touched, I've seen, I've heard, I've been there. Don't fall for this false teaching that's saying you need the superior knowledge. What you need is relationship and fellowship in your heart. Two different levels to live from. He's saying, I'm hearing about this misrepresentation of the gospel, this misrepresentation of who Christ is. Well, guess what? I knew him. So trust me when I say what I'm saying. See, this bothered John. So we look again at verse one. He says, we write to you about the word of life, this Christ, which has existed from the very beginning. We have heard it. We have seen it with our eyes. Can you hear his tone? He's trying to convince them. Listen, yes, we have seen it and our hands have touched it. It's real. It's tangible. There's a resonance within our heart. When this light became visible, we saw it. So now we speak of it and tell you about the eternal life, which was with the father and was made known to us. And then he says, what we have seen and heard, we announce to you also. Now, do you notice here that John is saying, that we speak of it and we tell you about the eternal life, say eternal life, which was with the Father and was made known to us. Now, let's stop here for just a second because I want us to, and we've talked about this in the past, but maybe you haven't heard this before. What comes to mind when you hear the word eternal life? Heaven, 
What else? Living forever, right, with God. And I believe in eternity. I believe in, I mean, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I don't know what it's like on the other side. I haven't been there yet. But I know this, that when I am, I'll know. But see, we see this, this idea of eternal life and we've turned it into this afterlife message. So it's something that you obtain and you can embrace later after this crappy world. But look what Jesus says in John 17, 3. He says, this is eternal life. Now, when Jesus is talking, maybe we should listen, right? He says, this is eternal life. I wanted to listen to the words of Jesus here. That they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Wait, wait a minute. I swear that Jesus would say, this is eternal life. That if you pray the prayer, one day when you die, You'll spend eternity with me, with me, with me, with me. Now, listen, I'm not trying to put down that. I mean, I, I look forward to this life and what is after this life. And I know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And guess what? He's with me now. He'll never leave me, never forsake me, never, even into eternity. But what does Jesus say eternal life is? That they may know you. Now, the word know in the Greek is gnosko. Say that with me three times. Gnosko, gnosko, gnosko. It's important that we see that he wants us to gnosko him. This is closeness. This is really knowing who he is. In the mirror translation, it says this. This life of the ages invites them to engage in the inexhaustible adventure of knowing you. I love that. The inexhaustible adventure of knowing you. The only true God and Jesus as the Christ whom you have commissioned. Now this word gnosko means to learn to know. Do you realize that we have to learn to know? I mean, it takes time to know. I married my wife almost 18 years ago and I'm still discovering new things and new angles and some things I'm like, I think I figured that out and then I realized I didn't. But... But it's learning to know. It means to perceive, to understand. And, and this is actually written, see, Greek has like these different moods and these tenses. And it's actually written in the present active subjunctive form, which actually means this, should keep on knowing. So don't stop. You keep on knowing what God is like. You keep on discovering what God is like. See, it's not about head knowledge. It's heart knowing. And so the problem with Gnosticism is that it was putting everything up here into the mind and brain realm. And the more knowledge you had, it would bring you to this place of enlightenment through head knowledge. And the Apostle John is like, no, 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 no. This is about heart knowing. Have you ever heard someone say something, let's just say, you know, in a religious circle from a pulpit, and your head's hearing it, and because of what maybe you've been brought up with, you're like, okay, okay, that's making sense, but something in your heart, it's not resonating. You're like, okay, I'm going to swallow hard, but something is not resonating here. Have you ever read something in, in the scriptures and, and you're reading it? This is what happens to me, especially as I grow deeper in relationship with God and learn who he is. I read something, and with the flat reading, I'm like, okay, there's got to be more to this because this doesn't look like the character of God for some reason. 
But then as you dig into it and you ask the Holy Spirit, he begins to open things up with context and original language and history. And you go, oh, okay, I see what's going on here now. But see, it's that knowing. If someone came up to me and said, hey, uh, I got to tell you something, man, it's really tough. I'm like, what? I think I saw Kristen out with another guy. I swear it was her. My initial response would be like, I knew it. I was like, it must have been someone else, bro, because there's no way. No, no, I swear. No, there's no way in hell or heaven, bro. This ain't going to happen. That's, that's not my wife. Why? Because I know my wife, right? I know she's not going to go out on me. I just know that. I mean, we got to get to this point where when we read something in Scripture or someone says something based on their level of revelation of God's face and who he is, that, that we go, if something resonates inside and is like, oh, that doesn't feel right, maybe we need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to show us the correct way because something is not right. Don't just swallow everything you hear. Even here, I, I encourage you, if you hear something from the pulpit and you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know about that, Pastor. I mean, you must have been eating too much pizza too late at night or something to get that revelation then study it out. Come to me. Let's talk about it. Listen, change my mind if you can, because guess what? I am in pursuit of truth. But I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit, there's something inside us that will resonate when truth is spoken, when we see truth. Does that make sense? It's this tangible resonance within your soul that is a continual growing in knowing, or we could say fellowship. Now, imagine this. Imagine if you knew Jesus, like John, like you walked with him for three, three and a half years of ministry. Uh, you tasted and you saw, so to speak. I mean, you saw this guy. I mean, you saw him in the morning when he first woke up. And like, you're like, wow, did you have like garlic and your bagels and cream cheese, bro? You know, so you walk with him. You, you laughed, you cried, you prayed, you ate with him. You saw him pray, heal the sick. You saw him sleep. Remember that time he was sleeping on the boat on a cushion and there was a storm. We're like, Jesus, wake up, right? That's, that's when they first came up with the cuss word, Jesus Christ, you know, because they're yelling for him and they thought they're going to die. And, and so he has this relationship. But imagine you have this type of relationship with Jesus. Now imagine hearing that people are taking Christianity and instead of making it about fellowship with the Father, they're making it about knowledge and those who possess the secret knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. You're so superior that you don't have time for work or relationships or others because you just know so much. You've got a deeper revelation, revelation. revelation. I love that echo thing. I'm waiting, Jay. I'm waiting for the reverb. But what would your thoughts be when you, when you would hear of this, this head knowledge superiority thing? What would your response be? And John says in response, hey, listen, I saw him. I touched him. I heard him talk. And now we're settling for head knowledge and mystic experiences because you've achieved so much knowledge. Back at uh, verse 3, it says, what we have seen and heard, we announce to you also. Now, I want us to catch this. He's telling us, I've touched, I've seen, I've been there, I've experienced. Uh, my, my soul resonates with who Christ is, who God is. I have this deep understanding for 70 years now in my life. And he says, we announce this to you also so that, say so that. There's a reason 
He's not going through to say, no, I was closer to Jesus. You don't get it. No, he's saying this. He's announcing this so that, look at this, you will join with us in the fellowship that we have with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, this word fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia. It's a beautiful word, koinonia. It was funny. I texted my dad yesterday. and I, Now, when my dad first got saved, he was a long-haired, drug-dealing, drug-taking hippie. And, and he got saved. Um, he, he got scared by a book, I think, Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. It's, he said literally it scared the hell out of him. I mean, put the heaven in, scared the hell out. And he's like, okay, I want to follow Jesus no matter what. And so he ends up at this Baptist church, and they say, hey, you, you got to cut your hair. He's like, I thought Jesus had long hair. And he's like, no, no, you got to cut your hair. So he said, you know what? Jesus has saved me, whatever it takes, so he cuts his hair. And then they're like, oh, that rock music you're listening to? You can't listen to that either. Well, what can I listen to? I'm like vocal trio bands and stuff? He's like, dear Jesus, quartet, oh, quartets, trios and quartets, however you want to do it. Either way, praise God. Everybody has their flavor. Everybody has their taste. But he chose at that time to say, okay, no rock music. But I remember as he kind of grew in this relationship and realized that drums were another devil and, and beats didn't scare God. He gave us a heartbeat, right? So I don't... Beats don't scare him. He put this band together. He grew his hair back out. So it kind of sounds like my story, right? Grew his hair out and was in bands for years, but he grew his hair and he was this band. But I, I texted him yesterday to say, Dad, do you remember that song that you guys wrote? And I remember being at rehearsals, and it was called Fellowship. And it was like, Fellowship is a bunch of fellas in the same ship. <laughs> Get along, that's what they'll do if they tarry very long. Give and take and communicate. Don't wait. It's getting late. Fella, hey, I remember these words, Alyssa. And he's strumming his guitar, and they're like, fellowship is a bunch of fellas in the same ship. But I never forgot that. that I mean, I think that's pretty snazzy, right? Fellowship in a ship. Anyway, so I text him. I was like, I'm talking about fellowship. Koinonia. He goes, I saw that on the post. That's so cool. And I actually remembered some of the lyrics he did, and he goes, that's right. He's getting older. Bless his heart, but... But I had to laugh. It's like, so all day long, fellowship is, it just kept going through my mind, through my mind, through my mind. But I was thinking of this idea of fellowship, this, this idea of koinonia. And let me say this, by the way, we did not invent fellowship, right? We are invited into the fellowship of the Father and the Son. Fellowship existed before time began in the Trinity, face-to-face -face relationship, the Hebrew shows us. And so fellowship was part of the DNA, if you will, of God. And we are created within that, in his image, in his likeness. And we're created for fellowship, koinonia. Now, a lot of times, I mean, if you could just do a simple search in the dictionary for fellowship, and it means friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. But this is what I love about the Greek. Koinonia means communion, communication, intimacy partnership and literally it means participation so the relationship and the fellowship is there it's available it's it's already been like laid out for you but do you see how with koinonia participation is essential you have to choose to participate and for some of us because listen i'm i'm a heady guy right that's 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 kind of how I'm wired. And so I love to study and get deep and be heady with stuff. But I've had to learn how to tap into the heart realm 
in participate in relationship, in fellowship, in koinonia, in intimacy with God. And for me, growing up and the issues I've gone through, intimacy wasn't the easiest thing. Trust wasn't the easiest thing. And so I've had to, you know, a lot of times I've I've used my reasoning and my head knowledge and my quote-unquote wisdom to learn things to fly above the heart realm. And so I had to learn how to get into the heart realm. Because when we do, it changes everything. Communication, intimacy, partnership, literally participation. And so when we come to this place where John says, what we have seen and heard, we announce to you also so that, see, we fill in the blank sometimes with things like, well, the gospel, the good news, this, this thing that he's presented to us called the gospel is so that we might be forgiven so that we might have a greater purpose here on this earth, so that we might be healed, so that we might go to heaven, so that I might go to church more often or give more in the offering or read my Bible more. All great things. But here's the deal. John says, my whole reason for writing is so that you might have fellowship with the Father. Do you see this? Because listen, when you have koinonia, intimacy, communion, communication, with your heavenly father, guess what the outflow of it is? Healing. You awaken to your forgiveness. You do more. The apostle Paul says that he did more than all the disciples put together because of the grace of God. See, he understood relationship. He had this intimate relationship and this communication and this revelation of who the father was. And because of that, what he did was an outflow of fellowship. Isn't that awesome? The best friend of Jesus, we could say, just bottom-lined all of faith in fellowship. But see, it's relational trust that leads to fellowship. And I'd like to say this, that relationship has always been there. See, to me, faith and trust doesn't make things magically happen. It allows us to participate in what's already happened. There's no magic words or mantras or prayers that bring salvation into your life. It's already there. But when you believe by faith, you receive and you walk in it. Right? So it it takes the onus off of you. You don't have to do some type of song and dance in order to receive what he's provided. It's already there. All you have to do is say, I believe it. So I'm going to participate in it. And we only participate to the level that we believe. Does that make sense? So that's why belief and faith are so, so very important. Relationship has always been there, but fellowship is awakening to and engaging in that relationship. You know, for me, I began to realize that I was settling for something less than what fellowship with God really is. What it means to have that koinonia, that communication, that intimacy with God. I became satisfied with the feeling that Bible knowledge gave me. I had a lot of head knowledge about God, but was missing the heart of knowing my father. I said it before, but I'm a melancholy personality. So, you know, I love to dig into stuff and, and to really get that head knowledge. And I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. And, and I had to learn how to sometimes go, I, I don't know. And and that's a scary place to be for someone who's wired like me. But see, when I know in my heart that I'm okay with my father, it's okay to say, I don't know. 
I can handle that more than, than I was able to before. Now, it doesn't mean I don't say, Holy Spirit, will you just show me a little of this? And can I dig in a little bit? And he's like, of course, son. That's how I wired you. Do it. And then share it with people. Bring freedom to their life. That's your gift. Go ahead and do it. But see, it has to come from a place of koinonia, of heart knowing and relationship. Does that make sense? And so for me, I would settle for this Bible knowledge and the feeling that it gave me. I would, I would settle for the feeling that church attendance gave me or how much we gave in the offering or, uh, you know, I'd settle for this knowledge or maybe a spiritual feeling. My identity had become wrapped up in how good of a message as a preacher I had preached. Did you get enough backpacks and kudos? Backpacks? Backpats. If you guys want to give me backpacks, feel free filled with really cool presents and gifts, but no, but you know, pats on the back and, and kudos, you know, I, I've got to the place now where that, that doesn't matter as much, you know, I mean, of course, everybody wants to be encouraged in their gift, but you know what, if I walk away and even one person says, wow, I experienced freedom. Thanks pastor. It's like, yes, that's what we're here for. It's freedom. It's not for if I spoke well enough or I, I sounded, you know, wise enough or smart enough when I spoke, it's not about that. It's about bringing freedom to each and every person who hears this message of his grace and his love. So looking back at John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, he says, What we have seen and heard, we announce to you also, so that you will join with us in the fellowship that we have with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 4. This just really sums it up. Why are you saying all this? In these things we write to you, What? to be in koinonia or fellowship so that your joy may be full. What? Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. That's it? <laughs> How many could use joy in their life? Your joy is made full in your fellowship with the Father. And do you see that he actually wants you to enjoy life, to have and enjoy life? John 10.10. 10. Right? I've come to give you abundant life, a life to the full, in abundance to the full, till it overflows. I want you to enjoy life. Now, our ideas of enjoyment could be different sometimes, but it's just the sheer enjoyment of that relationship and what it brings to you. So it's like the Father saying to us, is your joy complete? Well, years ago, my honest, my honest answer would have been no. <laughs> Why? Because my focus was on the wrong thing, knowledge rather than fellowship. And we've done that, in, especially in Western culture, thinking in church. How much knowledge do you have? Can you win the debate over that scripture or that doctrine? Sometimes it's like, who cares? Where's Father in all of this? Because we're just fighting and bickering and there's no knowing him. Listen, if you think that you can go to the scripture and have a full understanding without knowing the heart of the Father, you're sadly mistaken. We have to understand his heart. That's why this communion and this intimacy with him is so very important. Jesus said this in John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What did Jesus tell us in John 15? It's the story of the vine and the branches. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The heavenly father is the vine dresser. What's he saying? The fellowship we have together. I've told you all of this so that your joy may be complete. So if you're looking for a little joy in life, it's complete in this relationship with our father. See, Christianity is not about knowledge. 
It's not about teaching. It's not about a building or even a book. It's about God sharing himself with mankind. It's real relationship. See, real relationship trusted. If you can trust this relationship, that brings fellowship experienced. And here's the thing. We can even know that we have a relationship here, but fellowship is down here in our heart. Not our literal heart, but our soul. His joy is sharing himself with you. So what is fellowship? It's really simple. It's talking. It's listening. It's walking with Father every day. So my question is, do you know your father? Who's your daddy? Put it like that. But do you know your father? I want to wrap up with this final scripture. I want to read 1 John 1, 4 out of the mirror translation. It says this, what we enjoy equally belongs to you. Now, now see what John's saying? This is really cool because he's writing these churches which were you know, Jew and Gentile and believer and unbeliever and people. And he says, listen, what we enjoy equally belongs to you. He's saying this isn't just for me because I followed Jesus for 70 years. He says it's for everyone. He says, I am writing this for your reference so that joy may be yours in its most complete measure. Think about in all these years since the ascension of Jesus, John, who's now probably about 90 years old, he continues to enjoy unhindered fellowship, unhindered koinonia with God. And look at his desire. His desire is to extend the same fellowship to everyone through his writing. See, this is what I see is that I understand that this is a personal relationship with God that we're speaking of. But I believe that as we know more and more of the heart of the Father, what happens is we become stable in our sonship, in our daughtership. And when we do, what do we do? We start to tell others, just like John, listen, this is for you as well. Relationship is there. Fellowship is extended. We love because he first loved us. God initiates. We simply respond by faith. And when we respond by faith, what is that? Participation. It's saying, I'm going to participate. Now, how many have realized that in different facets of your life, you've been on this journey, and there's some things that you participate in, and some you haven't yet, and some you're working on? I mean, that's part of the journey, right? And John had almost 70 years of relationship with Christ. And he had come to this point where he knew that he knew that he knew the most important thing was heart relationship. It was koinonia. It was communication. It was communion. It was intimacy. It was participation. And so as we get to that place in different facets of our life, we'll start to see ourselves differently. And then we'll start to be differently. That's another thing I would change. I, I used to say, you know, you'll see yourself act differently, which isn't a bad term, but we're not acting. We're not pretending I like to say it better like this. We just be who we be. As you awaken to your identity, just be who you be. Because that's who you are. Isn't that beautiful? Say fellowship. Say koinonia. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for an opportunity this morning to look into the scriptures. But even more than that, to feel a resonance in our soul regarding the words that were spoke today. 
I, I pray that if anyone's struggling this morning with who they are, with their identity, with do I measure up, am I good enough, that, that they would just realize that they are good enough, they're your child. But see, it's our participation in this fellowship that helps us to identify ourselves and then be who we be. And so we thank you for wisdom. We thank you for peace in every situation in Jesus' name. Every service we love to do this, we just make a confession. A confession is just agreeing with God, saying the same thing that he says. So if you want to put your hand on your heart, or you just want to sit there, eyes closed. This isn't a religious thing. I just want you to focus for a moment and repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And I want to thank you for the relationship, for the fellowship that you've offered me. And I choose by an act of my will to participate in that fellowship. Help me, Holy Spirit, to see your desire to have communion with me, to communicate to me, to participate in life with me. Jesus, there's anything in my soul that's hindering me from seeing the truth show me those areas bring healing to those areas so that I can see who I truly am and I thank you in Jesus name and everyone said amen amen be blessed God is good Fellowship is a bunch of fellas in the same ship. You'll never forget that. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.